Coming up on today's show. It'd be real rewarding. Some seeing those spins of a thousand, two thousand birds on top of you. Well, it's almost look, like looking in a kaleidoscope. I'm, I'm telling you, anytime anybody's ever set up on me and tried trafficking birds that I'm hunting, <laughs> and if we beat them down, that's that's my favorite hunt every time, no matter what. Just sh- but they're trying to simplify regulations in Minnesota. What? How do you feel about? different opening enclosures, a two week split, different zones. How does that affect your hunting and your business and how do you feel about them? Broadcasting from the Mid-Migration Outfitter Studios, this is the Finding Fur and Feathers Hunting Podcast. How much direction are you getting from the governor? Minnesota DNR had reintroduced him into this area. I don't know, maybe you didn't want me to tell the story on the show, but I'm gonna tell it anyway. I I knew you were gonna go there. I'm gonna close the entire hunting season. Oh, really? Finding Fur and Feathers Hunting Podcast is brought to you by Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx. By Haybale Heights on Devil's Lake. Visit haybaleheights.com for more. By Ottertail County. Find your inner otter at ottertaillakescountry.com. And by Lake of the Woods Tourism. Plan your trip to Lake of the Woods at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. All right, the Sitka NODAC system delivery road trip is just about to wrap up. We got one more day here on the trip. We're recording this interview in Kansas. We're at Kansas Hurt Locker. Uh, once again, Christian Locke is with us. How's it going, man? It's going good. We're wrapping up season here in a couple of weeks. We're, uh, we're still grinding away, and, and we're going to give them hell. Yeah. Well, thanks for uh, letting us stop by, of course. You had a chance to get uh, Corey Loeffler's with us, too, from the DRC Call Company. You, you, if you didn't know who he was, uh, you probably do now, or you're probably just sick of seeing him because he's been all <laughs> over the place here with the sickest stuff. Yeah. But the, the new Nodaxis and the Whites, did you get a chance to check those out? Yeah, I have. I haven't got the hunt on them yet, but I really look forward to it. Um, right here where we're at, we pick up most of our snows this time of year on the back migration over the next few weeks. And, and so we'll really finally get a chance to get out um, under the whites and, and, and put it to work. So I look forward to it. Yeah. What were some of the, like, to me, there were a few things that really stood out with those. Like I just go back to the, to the, the lack of the zipper down around that the would, angle. Down yeah. There. That was going to be my first thought of it. Um, whenever I'm hunting with bibs or, or any time of, any type of um, layering stuff. I, I really like to put my bibs on while I have my boots on yeah. and not having the zippers and, and the loose bottom really helps get them on and off. And um, the zippers all the way up is actually pretty nice too. I think you can you can zip them down and take a leak without having to take your bibs all the way off. So that's, <laughs> that's right. kind of convenient. We'll have the zippers on both sides and then yeah. the top kind of yeah. flips down. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah no, they're, they're cool. And they're comfy too, they fit well. Um, they fit better than, than I thought they would. So I, I was really excited about that. The fit may be the best part about yeah. it. Hundred percent. It's not a, yeah. big and bulky that yeah. you're laying in, and, and I think too for some of those guys, I mean, that really chase them late into spring. I don't think they'll be too hot. You know, if right. you get into some warmer weather days where you're hunting snows, I don't think they'll be too hot. So that's nice. Yeah, waterproof and and you can layer underneath them yep. when it's cold and then they're thin enough that you can wear them a little right. bit more. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Very cool. Well, I want to talk about this place that we're sitting in right now because we kind of described it. We did a little bit of radio here. Um, when we came down, we stopped yeah, on the way, way down. down and when you pull in, like Corey had been here, I'd never been here before. So I sure. didn't know what to expect. You know, and when you pull in, 
you, you see it's it's a working ranch you're right, right and and when you walk in the building's kind of unassuming right and and it's when it's working sure. you're using yeah. it. there's horses yeah. in there you're you walking bet. by horses and then you walk through the door and you come into this room and this is really cool in here man yeah no i appreciate it i really do um we were running out of well, it was really just a double wide trailer. I mean, it was it was an old schoolhouse before this, and uh, and we did that for a few years out of there, and, and it was going well, so we decided we wanted to do something. And then um, my mom kinda, cause it's on our family ranch. My brother lives here, my folks live here. I lived forever, just right over the hill, and um, we all grew up here. And then my mom kinda headed up this project, and we have a pretty big family, so it was based around using it for family gatherings, and then also for the hunting lodge. and this part where we're actually sitting right now, the main living area in the kitchen, um, beforehand was kind of more so storage in the barn. And so we decided to just make it in here um, and then continue using the rest of the barn for everything else. But yeah, it, it, it happened about three years ago. It took about a year to finish and we used, I mean, everything in here, like the, the wood paneling, the red barn wood on the sides came from our great granddad's farm and uh, all the trees for the railing and, and everything um, came from his farm. And there's a little something to everything. The windmill fan was a windmill from, from our place. And we just, we didn't go out and buy anything, you know, we just used everything that we had and it has a little more meaning that way. I mean, obviously all of that stands out when you walk in the barn wood for sure, just the, the feel sure. when you walk into it. But one item really stands out and that's the windmill yeah. fan at the top. Yeah. And it's not just, uh, and it's not just decorative, it's actually No, functional. it's a fan, yeah. sure. Yeah, no, a, a friend of ours, uh, my mom dreamt up that idea and, and a friend of ours put it together for her. And, and this room is really big. Um, the ceiling, I don't know how tall it is, but it's so high and all the all the guest rooms are upstairs. So it actually, it moves a lot of air, a lot more air than you think. It won't blow you away, but it moves a lot of air. And whenever you got a fire going, it can get pretty hot and it's tough regulating the temperature in here, but that's sure. it really helps, yeah. But everybody everybody talks about it when they're in here. That's the first thing they see. Well, it's cool. And I, I'll have to show you the, the video I took last night at about one o'clock when we rolled into town last night of the, the fan going with the, the skull on the wall right underneath yeah. and the horns and, and everything. It was just a real cool, real cool look, which you've probably seen a hundred times. Yeah. It's, it's a neat place, man. Well, I and, appreciate it. And obviously it's a guide business. It's a waterfall guide business. So right. let's, let's talk about that that a little bit uh how long have you been doing it when did you get it started oh uh, we we first talked about starting it about eight years ago and it was me and and one of my best buddies and and then a handful of other friends and we all played um college baseball together and, and most of us grew up together playing sports and and all that and um we were just really into hunting and and we were starting to get a few things figured out and hadn't having some success and then people were asking us if they could tag along all the time and and then one thing led to another we just decided that you know we ought to try to see if we can't make a little money doing it and um so we did and then we continued to do it for a while and I continue to do it myself now um, just so I can still go hunt, you know? I mean, I gotta make a living now and, and if I had a day job, I wouldn't be able to hunt as Makes much as hard. I do, you know? That's right. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. I get to have fun doing what I like to do and 
make a little money at it. I feel like this is kind of a weird comparison to make, but I feel like waterfowl guides, it's almost like drug dealers. Like drug, yeah. I think drug dealers, a lot of times <laughs> they get into dealing drugs just so they can do drugs. So they have right. drugs to yeah. do. Yeah. Guides get into uh, the guiding business just so they can uh, support their hunting 100%. habit. <laughs> that's exactly right. And that, you know? I mean, yeah, you hit that, all, that nail on the head. I agree. What did your parents say when you said you wanted to run a guide business out of here? Um, they were very supportive. When I first started, obviously it wasn't, like I said, in, in the barn here and this lodge wasn't built, but it was on, on the ranch on a different house. And, um, I was young, so, you know, they probably looked at it as a learning experience for me to try to do that. And then if it worked out great and if not, no big deal. And, and it's been working out and I still do it. And it still allows me to, you know, work really hard on the ranch and take care of cattle and do all that the other 10 months out of the year, you know, so it, it kind of goes hand in hand and, and we have a lot of connections and it allows me to, to find some ground and have a lot of places to go. So it's nice. What all do you guide for? Just waterfowl right now. Um, when we first started, we did a lot of turkey hunts and, and a few deer hunts. And, and that was back when I was younger and, and I didn't have as many responsibilities outside of, you know, just waterfowl season. And so whenever whenever I was getting older and, and ran into more more opportunities in the ranching world, I had to cut back on, on running hunts in the spring and early fall just because I had other things I needed to get done. And when it comes to waterfowl, are you, is, it's a, you're chasing a lot of little geese, right? Yeah, for the most part. Um, we have little geese for, I'd say, the majority of the season. Um, there are a lot of calendar birds that we get. And then we have a lot of ducks, too, and honkers. But the ducks and the honkers, I feel like, more or less follow the freeze line and are, are more or less dependent on the weather. Um, but nine times out of ten, we're hunting geese in a field. You know, on this trip, Corey and I have been taking down here, it, it seems like we're talking about little geese all the time. And Corey, maybe I'll ask you this because I've said it a bunch of times on this trip. Maybe you can offer your opinions on it. <coughs> maybe you see a few more littles up, up in Northwest Minnesota. We don't see them as often in Western Minnesota sure. where I'm at. We, we get them come when the migration comes through, we'll get some that'll kind of buzz around. But normally when we see the littles come around, we're not very excited about it. Like yeah. we, hunt, we like hunting the bigger ones because yeah. they're a little bit easier. These guys have to have to hunt those little ones all the time, Corey. They can definitely be real rewarding. Some seeing those spins of a thousand, two thousand birds on top of you. Well, it's almost look, like looking in a kaleidoscope, and you could go dizzy just about watching those big, huge spins on on top of you working the decoys and getting those in to the decoys and shooting range is just awesome. Really cool feeling, and definitely decoying come into the decoys a lot different than the big honkers do. But uh, one thing that's real unique about this area and in Kansas in general is that they're going to see a, a north to south migration early in the fall, which is very typical, the same thing that we would see in Minnesota. And then later in the season, like right now, we're getting towards the end of January, early February, they're going to see a reverse migration. So those birds have already hit the bottom and turned around and they're working their way back north as long as the weather is gonna allow that. So, and th these guys are still in their regular hunting season. Um, something that we don't see up north in the northern part of, or, or anywhere in Minnesota, very frequently, I guess. Yeah, well, they can be a lot of fun actually. And, and I guess I haven't seen the big spins so much up in Minnesota because I suppose we're, they're just still kind of migrating and they're maybe not as grouped up as they have been down here. But we've seen a couple of those on this trip where it's like it, it's like snow. We always talk about them working like snows and it really looked like they're working like snows. So it's it's comparable. Yeah, down. it'd probably be the next closest thing, you know, Yeah, or at least in the Midwest for sure.
Do you do you find that those birds stage up here for quite a while during that migration? Do you yeah, get to hunt them yeah, for a while? I do. Um, I definitely think you know there's 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 certain pockets of them here. Um, that I don't think are any part of the same birds that some guys maybe in Oklahoma or the Panhandle, Texas hunt. Um, you know, I think I think the hunting, we were talking, Corey and I earlier, uh, I think the hunting right now is much better um, than it is typically throughout the middle of the winter. Just because in the middle of the winter, these birds get down here and they may hang out for a week, two weeks. Um, weather permitting, they may leave for a day and come back the next day, but this time of year, they're on a mission and they have a plan. They're heading back north. They're only going to stop briefly. And when they do, they're hungry. They're going to eat and then keep going. So I think it's it's a little easier hunting this time of year just because those birds are hungry and hunting something to do and then get gone. You know, they don't have the, the opportunity to loaf around on a pond all day and just decide that they can go tomorrow. You know, they got to get something done and get going. When you talk about hunting in the winter like that, uh, you know, us Minnesotans, when we think of winter, we're, yeah. we're ice fishing, you know, <laughs> right. we're, we're bundled right. up. What, what are conditions like for you on a cold day, cold waterfowl hunting day here in Kansas? What, what are conditions like? Um, Kansas is, is a little different than Oklahoma and Texas. We got, we got a different kind of cold here. I'm sure you guys could relate. I mean, I'm, I know it gets way colder up there, but it's real bone chilling. I mean, I have a brother that lives in Colorado and he used to live, he grew up here and lived here and, and we've talked about the cold and he says that he'd rather take negative 20 there than 20 here. You know, it, it, it's just real wet and um, the wind's always blowing and it, it's freezing, it's bone chilling. It's different for guys that, you know, you can't really, you can't really dress right for it. When you're just laying around, nothing's really gonna keep you warm here. Yeah. Um, but uh, then next thing you know, you could have a week straight in the middle of December or January where it's 75 degrees out. We had a week here this year, uh, the second week, I think it was, of December, where we had a handful of days that was 65, 70 degrees, and that was tough. Um, the birds didn't need to feed. You know, They had no trouble loafing around on water all day, every day for a few days. So it was really hard to get under them and, and get much done. Are you doing a lot of your uh, hunts in fields or over ponds or a little bit of both? Uh, a little bit of both. Majority fields, but we try to hunt water as much as we can. Um, that's all weather permitting too, you know. Uh, it's supposed to rain tomorrow morning, and if it's really, really muddy and, and the mud's keeping us from driving out into fields, we'll find some ponds and things to hunt. That way we can just get the rigs out and get to where we're going. Okay. Have you guys shot any banded birds, the little geese, lately, or do you know where they're banded? Uh, we haven't shot any this year. I think over the last, oh, I'd say over the last 10 years, I've probably seen personally, like held in my hand, I think two lesser Canada goose bands. And I have a handful of friends that have probably shot one or two over the last 10 years, but very few. You remember where they were banded at all? I don't, I think none, none of it, is that how you say it? None of it, yeah. A lot of these little birds will nest on the Baffin Islands and that's roughly 2,500 miles away from here. So these little birds are on a heck of a journey once they oh, make man. it here. Oh man, yeah. Yeah. And most of the bands that we've killed, those little goose bands, have been fairly old. We shot um, we shot a speck band. This was six years ago probably. And it was banded in North Slope, Alaska. And that, that was the furthest one I've ever seen here. Would that have been banded by your buddy? Uh, yeah, I bet you that was banded by my buddy Nick Dawkin or maybe one of his friends, and I probably would have shot a caribou real close to where it was banded. <laughs> up in North Slope? <laughs> ah, I'll be dang. Huh. That's cool. I wish we got to shoot more specs up in Minnesota. We, yeah. They come through, and they, they, they arrive, and they're pretty much gone the next day. Yeah, we got a bunch of them right now. Um, we won't pick up a whole lot of snows, um, but we'll pick up a whole boatload of specs this Wait time a of year. Wait you got specs right now? Yeah. What are we doing sitting around? <laughs> 
Yeah. Let's get after we'll it. We'll have a few mixed in with the with the little geese, you know, all winter long, but we won't just have strictly flocks of specks. And, and this time of year on the way back, you know, we'll, we'll run into quite a few specks. When you're field hunting them, is it uh, corn fields or what kind of fields, what kind of crop crops do you have? Uh, all winter long, usually we're hunting either corn or wheat um, or a double crop of both, you know, wheat drilled back into corn. Um, that I would, you know, I'd say 99.9% .9 of the time, that's what we're hunting when we're field hunting. And when it comes to ponds, uh, I, I think we actually, when we hunted, cause we did one, hunt one pond when we were here last week and I think the, we had an ice eater on it, right? That was here. So you do freeze up a little bit, right? Yeah. 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 It doesn't take much. Uh, these ponds that we hunt usually they're pretty small, you know, farm ponds and just, just cattle ponds stuff out in the middle of pastures. We're not hunting big lakes or anything like that. So it could just happen in a night, you know, it doesn't take much cold weather for those little ponds to freeze right up. What's your season run here? Uh, the, the first the first weekend is the last weekend of October um, for goose hunting. And then it'll shut down for, I think, two weeks. And then the middle of November, it'll open back up and it'll run straight through until about the middle of February, give or take a few days. Every year it kind of changes. Uh, and specs are the same way. They'll they'll shut down for, for three weeks in the middle of January. Um, but outside of that, it, it's, it's a straight through shot. And then our duck stuff, it'll open. It depends on, we got four different zones in Kansas and it depends on where you're at but it could start you know early as first of october or middle of november and then you know they all have splits at some point throughout the season it's interesting that you say that you know Corey and i are going through some potential changes in regulations in minnesota when it comes to waterfall season sure. structure we've got three zones right now that go from north to south <coughs> that allows you you know to hunt later in the year as the right. birds migrate and things freeze up further north because we're a long state north to south right and then um our our Canada goose season, we've got an early season, then it goes longer. We have 60 days for ducks. We we have a, uh, a five-day split in the central part of the state sure. and then a 10-day in the southern part of the state. People in Minnesota hate those splits. Uh, not all of them. I love them. I like them because it allows us to go a little bit later in the year. Right. No split in the north zone because they freeze up early, so I get that. But they're trying to simplify regulations in Minnesota. What? How do you feel about different opening enclosures, a two week split, different right. zones. How does that affect your hunting and your business and how do you feel about them? Um, well, really here, right where we're at, there's out of El Dorado, Kansas, there, one of the, one, there's two zones and it runs, the line, the split of those two zones runs right through the middle of us. Oh boy. So, you know, I mean, if we're going to have the splits in those zones, it's somewhat convenient because at, at a certain time, one of those zones is open and one of them is closed and vice versa. So we do have an opportunity other than I think three days um, to always have a place to go duck hunting. Um, and then and then the spec split is pretty inconvenient just because we hunt little geese so much and majority of the year there are specs here. There, like I said, there's not just straight spec flocks but they're always mixed in with those little geese and and we got two and a half three weeks where specs is closed and we're hunting little geese and you got to somehow avoid sometimes shooting those or, or crippling those in the back of a flock that you don't intentionally try to shoot and, and things like that and uh, so that makes it tough it, it'd be nice if if they didn't have a split for those um, and it ran straight through with with the little geese but uh you know it just for convenience purposes i wish there weren't any splits at all you know and yeah. and and they just ran them all straight through but uh i get why they do it and you know some guys i've i've heard they want to start them early so some older people can get out and hunt in yeah. warmer weather and things like that which i respect but 
It's tough to please everybody. Yeah, you can't. It, it's impossible. It's hard, yeah, so, especially nowadays. Do you guys, I'll ask this to either one of you guys, uh, Is do they close the spec season because they, they there's fewer numbers of them, or what's the reasoning for that? And the second part of that, do you feel like, I feel like the spec population has kind of exploded in recent years and, yeah. and gotten bigger. Are you guys seeing the same kind of um, things? Yeah, we, we, every year I see more and more specs um, throughout the winter, like I said, mixed in with our littles. And then every year I see more and more specs on the way back north. And to be honest with you, I have no idea why they even have a split. I think it's a little silly. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Do you have any idea, Corey? No, I've, it really depends on which part of the country and which state you're from and your spec limit, because I think there's guys out in Oregon uh, don't quote me, but I think they almost have a 20 bird limit and a special season just for Yeah, even in, into April, so, they yeah. do that. Yeah. yeah. So, hey, Christian, you're talking a lot about little geese. Um, we don't see a lot of them in Minnesota. We see mostly the big honkers. You guys shooting big honkers around here? Yeah, we do. Um, like I was saying earlier, them, the, the honkers and the ducks more so kind of follow the freeze line for us um, rather than they are calendar birds. We'll have, you know, there's parts around here that'll hold resident honkers um, that you can actually actually get under but for the most part i mean if you're really trying to go honker hunting they're they're migratory birds and and um they follow the freeze line and and as soon as it gets fairly cold we'll pick up a pretty good number of them yeah what kind of hunting strategies differ when you're chasing little geese versus big geese sure that's a really good question i think that a greater canada goose and a lesser canada goose couldn't be any further apart from from any other two birds. I mean, snow geese are much more similar than, than lesser Canada geese than a greater Canada goose is. Um, we hunt a lot bigger spreads when we're hunting lesser Canada geese. They like the numbers more, they like the sound, they just wanna hear you. Uh, I feel like whenever we're hunting hawkers, we're, we're, our spreads are much more loose, lower numbers. Um, we use full bodies more or less about every time when we're hunting hawkers compared to maybe using socks or silhouettes or, or anything else for, for the lesser Canada geese. And I think you can communicate more with, with a honker you know one-on-one -on -one than you can with the little geese you're just screaming at the little geese and and letting them know that you're there hey, you you brought up something that i've heard a number of times on this trip and that's uh loose versus tight with the decoy sure. spread that's a pretty common thing for for lessers is to run them a little tighter yeah yeah they'll they're they're really aggressive similar to like we've been talking about snows you know um we run them pretty tight and we run i mean we may run a hundred dozen more decoys when we're hunting lesser geese than we are um greater canada geese they i don't know why they just love the numbers they travel in numbers and and they just want to hear you and they eat it up so interesting yeah what about motion you know when you uh hunt ducks obviously you can use spinners when you hunt sure big canada geese a lot of times no no spinners but maybe flagging right uh snows they they want to have a lot of movement right what, what are what are lessers like um they, they do like some motion i you know we've hunted over some clones and we've hunted over some flappers and and there's been days where i've been in love with them and then there's been days where i'm ready to throw them away <laughs> um, but it's kind of hit or miss with those and it could be certain pockets of birds that are more more into them than others but um i will always have a flag uh, i really like flagging it's easier for me you know to pick it up and shake it whenever I want and then not um it's on and off I'm at the you know in my hand and and I like running a bunch of them so they they, they eat the, the flags up I know they like those I've never hunted and used flags and then decided I didn't want to use them again it's funny the, if the birds don't work the number one reason is the gadget whatever gadgets you sure. got out there yeah you gotta have an excuse every time number two the number two excuse is the camera guy <laughs> <laughs> and number three is you gotta move the decoys or right. somebody got oh yeah there's always something like you that. know we're, we're all masters of excuses 
Tell me, uh, before we wrap things up here, give me uh, one of your more memorable hunts, whether it was a client hunt, a fun hunt, whether it was here, whether it was a travel hunt, something that when somebody says to you, you know, why do you enjoy hunting so much or what's one of the hunts that stands out in your life? I know there's there's probably a couple to choose from. Sure. What, what's one that you like to talk about? You know, I'd have to think about that. I, I do know one, well, anytime... I'm, I'm telling you, anytime anybody's ever set up on me and tried trafficking birds that I'm hunting, <laughs> and if we beat them down, that's that's my favorite hunt every time, no matter what. Just to show everybody that that's a, what you're supposed to do. That's so funny because 99% of the time when I ask that question, it's like, well, I got out with my dad this one time. I was back. I was eight years old, and the the steam was rising off yeah, the lake, yeah, and the mallards yeah. are coming in. No, it's when, it's when competition tries yeah. to Hell yeah. <laughs> set up on me. That's yeah. great. No, that, that and we've always, I mean, you know, just like you said every every once in a while you just have a really good hunt where you can't do anything wrong and yeah. you wind up having some good company and it all it all gets put together so that that's always great too but i think i just really enjoy beating them in front of somebody <laughs> that's awesome how long are you gonna do this for man oh as long as my body will let me or my wife one or the other <laughs> i don't know it's kind of taxing on both ends there that's funny so I'll, I'll do it as long as i can and and as long as it just makes sense you know if i ever if i ever quit i won't ever quit fully i'll still probably do a little bit here and there but i'll never quit hunting you know sure yeah do you still play baseball ah, hell no <laughs> i'm fat and old now i picked up golf i tried oh golfing God. a little this summer i'm terrible but I got the rest of my life to figure that out. You know, people used to tell me, I, I played baseball in high school, whatever, yeah. and people used to tell me that if, if you play baseball, you can't play golf. Like, it's two different swings. Yeah. I always thought it was way more similar than some people thought. Yeah. I think if, if you say that, then you probably weren't a very good athlete. You know? <laughs> that's right. You can play baseball and you can still play golf. You just got to figure it out. Yeah, you know? that's mm -hmm. right. Yeah. It's, what, what position did you play? Uh, I was a utility for the majority of my life. And then I wound up, uh, my last year I played just third, but yeah, I caught and, and played the corners and, and, and played up the middle in high school and outfield. I did everything. I never pitched. That was the only thing I oh, ever man. played. Yeah. I, see, I, I played I, pitching was my favorite, but yeah. I but I always wanted to play every position. Yeah. So I learned every position. Yeah, yeah. And then when I retired to beer league softball at eighteen, <laughs> I, just I want to be out. a DH now. Yeah. Sneak it. Well, yeah, no, I played everywhere there too. But I always ended up. I had a I had a decent arm, so I always ended up in left field or third base. Yeah. And like third base playing baseball is kind of fun. Yeah. Shortstop is kind of fun. But when you play third base in softball. It looks sketchy. Yeah. yeah. A little like, sketchy. Especially when you're playing some grown ass men that all they want to do is hit as hard as they can. Lots of softballs to the face and yeah. other various body parts. So, yeah. Yeah. I said, just stick me in left field, guys. Yeah, I'm with I'm you. Good with that. Yeah. I'm Man. with you. All right. Well, uh, thanks for the time. Give our listeners you uh, your contact info, how they can find you. And, yeah. Yeah. Sure. My name's Christian Locke and I run Kansas Hurt Locker Outfitters. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, my phone, my phone numbers. Should I put that in? You can put it yeah. on there. Website's easy. Yeah, three one six three two three seven five five one. Text me anytime. Info's on the website at kansashurtlocker.com. Kansashurtlocker.com. Christian, yep. thank you very much. You bet. Corey, thank Enjoyed you. It. This has been the Finding Fur and Feathers Hunting Podcast, part of the Sporting Journal Radio family. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts, or visit us at findingfurandfeathers.com. Looking for winter adventure? Might as well pick a place with over 1,000 lakes. Ottertail County, Minnesota is in the middle of everywhere, offers a simpler pace, 
and has something for everyone. Find your inner otter at ottertillakescountry.com. Ice fishing season is here. This winter, plan a trip to Devil's Lake, North Dakota. Not only will you have the chance to catch their legendary perch, but this year, Haybell Heights has been catching big walleye after big walleye. And they're doing it from a mobile, comfortable snow bear. No matter how cold it is outside, you're warm and toasty on the inside. Learn more and book a trip today at haybellheights.com. That's haybellheights.com. Come ice fish the famous waters of Minnesota's Lake of the Woods, the walleye capital of the world. Experience full-service resorts featuring heated fish houses, ice transportation, meal plans, and sleeper house options. From the Northwest Angle to the South Shore, Rainy River, and Baudette, the Midwest's number one ice fishing destination. Walleye, sauger, perch, and northern pike, Minnesota's Lake of the Woods, best fishing anywhere. For more information, log on to lakeofthewoodsmn.com. On X Hunt, ever heard of it? Next time you see that guy at your local shop who always punches his tag on a stud whitetail, ask him. He'll tell you about the most trusted source for mapping. With nationwide landowner names, private and public land boundaries, including walk-in areas, map tools to mark spots, and the ability to view your maps without cell service. And that's just scratching the surface. It's your time to be known as the big buck guy around town. Download the leader in hunt mapping on Google Play or the App Store. On X Hunt, know where you stand.